0: Thank you for listening to this message from Life in the Sun Christian Fellowship. We hope you'll be inspired to honor God and make disciples. Good morning. Thank you, Pastor Mark. My name is Jarrett Gallardo. Um, I'm going to ask Van to pass out some of the cards and some pens. So if you do have any questions from yesterday from Van and Naomi's uh, speech, go ahead and write them in the cards, and then you can put them in the box, folded up. The cards, uh, again... Yellow for general questions. If you're a male and you want to ask a male-specific questions, then go ahead and um, and grab one of the blue ones. And if you are a female, uh, go ahead and use one of the pink cards if you want to ask a uh, specifically pink uh, female question. And I'm going to try and actually switch this over. So Hold on one second. Zumba. Everybody ready for Zumba? All right. I don't know if it's catching this mic or this mic. Hello. Hello. Zumba. Zumba, Zumba. Okay. Is it clear? All righty. Well, good morning. My name is Jarrett Gallardo. Um, This message that I'm going to be speaking about is a message on purity. And for the single life, we thought that that this was a very important message to add to, um, to our topic this weekend. So again, I'll be speaking about purity. Pastor Mark already introduced a little bit about myself. My name is Jared Gallardo, Mexican-Hawaiian, born and raised in Alaska. And yes, I did steal Liz Hartman and made her a Gallardo. And um, I was first here in Guam in 2011 to 2014. And then we left to San Antonio And we came back, uh, and so we'll be here for about three years. We acquired two babies on the way, Kayla and Kavika, and hopefully some more because we bought a minivan. But we're going to talk about procreation a little bit later as one of the um, institutions for marriage. We're actually going to be talking about some deep subjects this morning. I know you guys are eating breakfast, but we are diving deep right in the beginning. Um, We're actually going to be talking about sexual immorality. We're going to be talking about pornography So we're going to be talking about some deep subjects. So if at any time it's a little too deep and you need to step out of the room, go ahead. I'm looking around the room, and we have a pretty mature audience here. So um, we're just going to continue and uh, allow the Holy Spirit to do his thing in our lives. With that said, let's go ahead and pray before I continue. Mighty God, thank you so much for this morning. God, we just thank you um, for bringing us here. We thank you for the breath of life. We thank you that you woke us up on this side of the bed, and now we're here. So God, we just ask that you, Holy Spirit, would have our attention, soften our hearts to receive your word, God. May I decrease or your word increases and does not return void. God, we love you, and we thank you for the Save the Date Conference. And for all who are in attendance, God, may you bless them tremendously. In your mighty name we pray, amen. Amen. So welcome, welcome, welcome. Again. When I moved here in 2011, I had no interest in women. I thought uh, women were the devil. I had just escaped from a horrible relationship, and and I was like, I want nothing to do with another relationship. And a year and a half later, God had other plans for my life, and that's when I met Liz. And speaking about plans for your life and the purpose for your life and things like that, I just want to start the message off to answer this question, what is the purpose of my life? And we're going to look at Isaiah 43, 1 and 7. The, the title of today's message that I wanted to share with you guys is Purity, um, and it's going to be specifically a purified Christian. So, but what is the purpose of life? I'm so glad you asked. The purpose of life is found in Isaiah 43, uh, 1 and 7. It says this, and if you don't have your Bible, you want to look on the screen. I got all of the verses on the screen, So, so just... Focus up on there. But it says, Now this is what the Lord says, the one who created you, Jacob, and the one who formed you, Israel. Do not fear, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by your name. You are mine. Everyone called by my name and created for my glory. I have formed him. Indeed, I have made him. So our purpose, the reason for our existence here in life is very simple. It's underlined right there. We are created to glorify God, period. Why are we here in existence? We are created, God created and molded us to glorify him. So if you were trying to wonder, man, I wonder what, I'm, what my purpose here. Your purpose here on earth is to glorify God. And everything you say and everything you think and all of your actions and everything glorify God. Y'all with me? Word. All right, so we're talking about purity, so with that same lens of us bringing glory to God, that's the same lens that we're going to look at this purity message, and we're going to be in 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 20, but I wanted to say something that Van talked about, if you're single, single, or if you're single, so just, I always want to get this off, off, out there right in the beginning that, If you are single and you desire marriage, that's fine. Like, Don't don't be ashamed of that. And then also, on the same token, if you are single and God has called you to a life of singleship, don't be ashamed of that either. That's just as great. And so we're going to dig into something right now. It's 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 20. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 to 20. Again, it's on the screen. And it says, don't you know... ...that the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom. Do not be deceived. No sexually immoral people, idolaters, adulterers, or anyone practicing homosexuality. No thieves, greedy people, drunkards, verbally abusive people, or swindlers will inherit God's kingdom. Some of you used to be like this, but you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified... ...in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of God... Verse 12, everything is permissible for me, but not everything is helpful. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be brought under the control of anything. Food for the stomach and stomach for food, but God will do away with both of them. The body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. God raised up the Lord and will also raise up by his power. Don't you know that your bodies are a part of Christ's body? So should I take part of Christ's body and make it part of a prostitute? Absolutely not. Do you not know that anyone joined to a prostitute is one body with her? For scripture says the two will become one flesh. But anyone joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. Run from sexual immorality, verse 18 says that. Every sin a person can commit is outside the body. On the contrary, the person who is sexually immoral sins against his own body. Don't you know that your body is a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who is in you, who you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. All right, so that's a lot, and we're going to dig into it right now. So in this chapter of 1 Corinthians 6, initially, Paul was talking to the Corinthian church about how to handle their, their problems, how to handle their issues and their lawsuits, because Initially, they were going outside of the church of Corinthians, but Paul wanted them to handle all of their disputes internally and not externally. And then in uh, verse verse 9, Paul changes it up a little bit and starts to talk about the free will that the Corinthians have, the freedom that we have in Christ. Because the Corinthians thought that because I'm free... That I can go ahead and have sex with a prostitute and it's okay because God has redeemed me. So that's what the Corinthian church was saying. They were taking advantage of their freedom in Christ, saying that it was okay to have sex with anybody. But Paul is going to address that here. So that leads me to my first point that we're drawing out of the text. And we're talking about purity. We're talking about it with the lens of of how how does this glorify God. So point number one, a purified Christian inherits God's Kingdom 1st Corinthians 6 9 and 11 it says don't you know that the unrighteous will not inherit God's kingdom don't be deceived no sexually immoral people idolaters adulterers or anyone practicing homosexuality no thieves greedy people drunkards verbally abusive or swindlers will inherit God's kingdom and verse 11 some of you used to be like this but you were washed you were sanctified you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ by the Spirit of our God So. Look at, look at verse number nine. Paul used a word like this. He said, don't you know? Haven't you guys got a clue? Has not anybody told you? And so it's with that same kind of expression that Paul was trying to say, like, look, do you not know? Do you not understand that, that your life is transformed? And so what Paul is trying to say is those outside of the faith community will not be a part of the kingdom of God. And that's what I want to stress for this first point is that a purified Christian inherits the kingdom of God inherits heaven. And so the primary concern for Paul in this time is that the Corinthians believers that they he does not want them to continue to follow the lifestyle of their culture. And if you think about our culture today, what does our culture today say about sexual immorality? It says that you can have sex with whoever you want to. It doesn't up upkeep the sanctity of sex within the confines of marriage. But it says, one night stands, flings romantic love, it's all good, do whatever you want, pornography, do whatever you want. That's what the culture says. And Paul is telling the Corinthian church, like you have to look beyond what the culture is telling you. So I want everybody to think right now, think about the best experience you've had in your life, because we're going to think about inheriting the kingdom of heaven. So the best experience that you've ever had here on earth whether that was going to Disneyland, whether that was graduating high school, getting a promotion at work, getting married, think about the best experience that you've had. Maybe your, your parents getting back together after they were separated, whatever that best experience was. Does everybody have that in their head? Now just imagine heaven. Heaven makes every, every earthly experience pale in comparison. When we think about heaven and we think about eternity, it's going to be amazing. It's going to be so amazing. A lot of people, and I, I was guilty of this before, I was like, man, Jesus, hey, don't come back. Don't return until until I get married. Don't return until I at least have sex. Don't return until I have babies. Don't return until I graduate college. I had all of these stipulations on Christ's return. However, inheriting the kingdom of God, that is pales, or that trumps everything, every experience, every wonderful experience that we've had on earth. Inheriting the kingdom of God makes that seem so, so small. Does that make sense to everybody? And so, a purified Christian, what do we do? That we we inherit the kingdom of God. And then look at verse 11. This is the kicker, because Paul says things like, you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And what do these things mean? These things are fancy Christian terms of saying that we've been acquitted, we've been pardoned of our sin, they've been washed away. That's what these words, we've been washed, sanctified, and justified. We've been pardoned of our sin, and that's the gospel, that's the good news. That's what Christianity is all about. That's why our, re- our religion is about a relationship with Jesus, and so we should all be able to articulate the gospel when we leave this, this building, what is the gospel? The gospel is that Jesus Christ, lowered himself, came down to earth. He lived a life that I could never have lived. He died a death that was meant for me, that he took our sins, bore our shame on the cross, that he was crucified, he died, and he rose again, therefore proving that he is who? Proving that he is the Messiah, and, and, and it's in the shed blood of Jesus Christ that we find forgiveness of sins, and that's so amazing. It's in that shed blood of Jesus that we find forgiveness of sins, and that's the good news. That's the gospel, and we should all be able to articulate that, that, man, what I believe in is Jesus Christ and his shed blood. So, so with that, um, that's going to lead us to our second point. First point, a purified Christian inherits the kingdom of God. Second point, a purified Christian saves sex for marriage. And we look at uh, 1 Corinthians six twelve to 17 for that. 12 to 17 says, Everything is permissible for me, but not everything is helpful. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not be brought under the control of anything. Food for the stomach, stomach for food, but God would do away with both of them. The body is not for sexual immorality, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. Verse 14. God raised up the Lord and will also raise us up by his power. Don't you know that your bodies are a part of Christ's body? So should I, uh, should I take a part of Christ's body and make it part of the prostitute? Absolutely not. Don't you know that anyone joined to a prostitute is one body with her? For scripture says that two will become one flesh. But anyone joined to the Lord is one spirit with him. So, point number two, a purified Christian saves sex for marriage. And look at verse 12 in the beginning of this. What is Paul trying to convey here when he says, everything is permissible or everything is, is okay? What that slogan was, it was a slogan that the Corinthian church, they had. They would say, oh, everything is permissible, everything is permissible, and the Corinthian church would say, everything is permissible because we've been saved to the point that they were even saying everything is permissible even if we have sex outside of marriage or sex with a prostitute that's what the culture of the Corinthian church was saying was okay but but what does that do what that does is that takes advantage of God's grace it takes advantage of God's grace when we say when we put our desires and our wants and needs above God's will for our life his good pleasing and perfect will we're saying God I know that you have the best for me out there but I'm gonna go over here and'm gonna I want that right there and then you end up sleeping with with so-and so or God I know what you want for my life but i'm gonna I'm gonna do this what that does is you take advantage of we take advantage of God's grace and then we end up putting our desires over God's will for our life. And then the other thing is that that attitude that, oh, everything is permissible, Paul talks about that in in another chapter that, that he says, should we continue and keep on sinning? What does Paul say? No, absolutely not. Once you've been saved, like, strive for excellency in Jesus through his power. And so speaking about saving sex for outside of marriage and singleness. I heard a preacher say that if you spend um, being alone with a romantic partner that's a horrible idea and why is that? Because it's like going to a grocery store with no money. You either take something that isn't yours or you leave frustrated. So spending time alone with with a romantic partner if you're single, what does that do? That creates in your mind that I'm either going to take something that doesn't belong to me, someone's virginity, Or I'm going to leave frustrated and I'm going to be sexually frustrated. So Naomi talked about that yesterday, that you don't even have to open that door of of intimacy and being physical with somebody, that you could still find romance without opening that door. And that's what we, as our 111 collective years of trying to serve God, is that what we're trying to say, like, we've made these mistakes. Do not make these mistakes turn and run from sexual morality and we're gonna talk about that Um, I wanted to also talk about the proper context of sex and the only proper context of sex from a biblical perspective is within the confines of marriage amen the only proper confines for, for, for sex is within the confines of marriage covenant and Um, The other, can you go to the next slide? This is talking about sex. Sex is awesome and sex is amazing within the context of marriage. God was amazing when he gave us sex. However, sex is like fire. I know it's going to be hard to understand this analogy in Guam, but sex is like fire. Sex and fire in a fireplace, what does it do? It will heat the whole house. But the minute that you take that fire and you put it outside of the fireplace in the wrong context, it is going to burn everything and destroy everything in its path. And that's what, that's what sex outside of its proper context does. It destroys. We talked about a couple of things yesterday. Van alluded to soul ties, that you, that you are tied to somebody. Um, the two become one flesh, it says, in, in 1 Corinthians 6.16. What else? What are some other consuming things that destroy us? STDs, sexually transmitted diseases, Um, unplanned children that maybe wasn't in your plans that you thought you had for your life. Irreversible diseases. Um, I work in the clinic on Anderson and I know a story of a a woman who kept coming back to be treated for the same sexually transmitted diseases and our provider team spoke to her and said ma'am don't you know that this Being treated over and over and over for these sexually transmitted diseases can cause infertility. Do you want to know what her response was? Her response was, oh, well, I don't want children anyway. Like, that is where the culture has gone from. That we used to esteem marriage so high to, oh, well, give me the antibiotics. I don't want children anyways." Sex outside of marriage is not a form of birth control, guys. Sex is amazing within the confines of marriage. Amen? Amen. The other thing, I mean, that it, that it can bring on is just guilt as well. And like we talked about, sex binds you to another person, according to uh, verse uh, 16. But what? What is marriage all about? So if, 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 if I'm telling you guys that within the confines of marriage that's, that sex is good, what is the purposes of marriage? Twofold quickly. One purpose of marriage is illustration. One purpose of marriage, it's illustration, that our marriage relationship would mirror the marriage between Christ and his church, the bride. That that same love, a husband would show the wife, and the wife would show the husband. That is the first illustration, or the first purpose for marriage is illustration. The second purpose for marriage is procreation. Van talked about this yesterday, that if we don't have babies, then what's going to happen? We're going to read about Christianity in a history book. Like oh those Christians oh that was uh, that was something that was practiced uh, with a guy named Jesus uh, so if we don't have babies what did God give us a command to do in Genesis was to go therefore subdue the world and then what in Mark and in Matthew he told us to tell every nation about the gospel so we all know what the gospel is uh, that we've been saved so we we are told to go into all the world, subdue it, and tell everybody about the good news. Because why? Because Jesus doesn't want anybody to perish. So those are the two purposes for marriage, illustration and procreation. So yes, sex within the confines of marriage is amazing. And I talked about this in the beginning. If God calls you to singleness, to be single-single, great, amazing. And if God calls you out of that singleness, great hallelujah amen amazing because because both both whether you're married whether you're single in both instances our purpose is to what glorify god according to isaiah 43 this leads me to my third point that we're going to pull from 1 corinthians 6 it's a purified christian flees sexual immorality a purified christian flees sexual immorality, and that is 1 corinthians 6 18 to 20 what does it say Run from sexual immorality. Every sin a person can commit is outside the body. On the contrary, the person who is sexually immoral sins against his own body. Don't you know that your body is a sanctuary of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Whom you have from God, you are not your own. You are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. Verse 18, what does it say? Run, flee, get out of sexual immorality and run as far as you can away from it. Sexual immorality is here, then your job is to go this way. It's not to dangle in it, let me see if I can get to first base, second base, and then not go to home run. No, your job is to get away from sexual immorality as fast as you can. And we're going to remember Joseph and Potiphar's wife. Potiphar's wife was saying, lay with me, have sex with me, sleep with me. She called him numerous times saying, hey, Come to bed with me. What did Joseph do? Did he even entertain? No, he didn't even entertain her actions. He said he knew she was a married woman. He knew that sex outside of the confines of marriage was not right. And so what did he do? He fled. He fled so fast that he left part of his what? He left part of his cloak there. And then she was like, look, look, he's, he's trying to, you know, do something to me. He's trying to rape me. And then he was thrown in jail. But that wasn't the case. He fled sexual morality. A purified Christian flees sexual immorality. And um, when we look at that, it's with that same fervor that we also need to flee sexual immorality. Think about this. I have a question for you. What does the wisest man, Solomon, the strongest man, Samson, and one of the most holiest men, a man who is after God's own heart, David, what do they all have in common? Somebody blurt it out. Sexual morality they fell to sexual sin. So if, if we're telling you as singles that, hey, do this on your own merit, what we are doing is asking you to be wiser than Solomon, stronger than Samson, and more holy than David. But that's not what we're asking you to do. We're asking you to surrender to the power of Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit. And with God, that is how you overcome sexual immorality. Because these three men, the wisest, the strongest, and one of the most holiest men, they fell to sexual sin and sexual morality. That's why it's so important for us to not put down our guard. Can you go to the next side? One thing is that don't be prideful. A lot of us think like, oh, I've been serving God for 40 plus years. Or I, I grew up in a home who loved Jesus. I'm immune from, from this. And that's not the case. The other thing is not to flirt with sin. Don't flirt with it. Don't, don't spend, you know, if it's 10 o'clock and you're like, I shouldn't be here with you right now, then leave. And if, and if, it, if your phone is, you know, one click away from, from going to a pornographic site, turn your phone off, throw your phone away. Don't get a smartphone, get a dumb phone, get an accountability partner, do something, but do not flirt with sin. I was thinking about this as I was creating this message, like, what about PG-13 movies? If even something like that is causing a trigger in your brain, then don't even, then G-movies is all you get, and that's okay. Or don't even watch TV, if that's the case. Just stay away from that. Don't even flirt with sin. But what, what can we do? We can remain humble, not let our position in the workplace, I'm the CEO of a company. I'm a real estate mogul. I'm a senior in high school now. I can do what I want don't let your position dictate um, how you would fall into sexual morality and then keep your guard up and we're gonna look at this in the next uh, coming slides but one thing that I wanted to, to point out is that we were all bought with a price and we read that at the end of that closing verse think about that that the shed blood of Jesus Christ purchased us because we were destined for an eternal separation from God for eternity But that shed blood of Jesus is what purchased us. And what is the devil trying to do? He is trying to steal what isn't his. What Jesus Christ already purchased on the cross, the devil is trying to steal that. And trying to eat your lunch. And trying to take your life. And trying to get you off track. Trying to get you to flirt with sexual morality. But don't do it. Don't do it. I'm going to talk a little bit right now about pornography. And the reason why I'm going to talk about it is because... There was a time in my life where pornography gripped my heart and gripped my mind, but it was only by the shed blood of Jesus Christ that I got redemption from this. And so, a pornography, look, pornography activity, and the same kind of brain activity that, that triggers a sex addict is the same activity that triggers pornographic sexual behavior. It's that same reward systems that I want this, I'm fiending for this, and then you get a little bit, and then you get a little bit more, and then pretty soon it goes from virtual images on a TV to what you are manifesting in the physical. Now I'm trying to um, have sex, and then your regard for sex, remember we regarded it as something holy within the confines of marriage, we've completely objectified it, and we've taken it to something that we've objectified men and women on a TV screen instant gratification, 10, 15 minutes, and that 10, 15 minute video or whatever is is nothing because that is what is going to destroy, and and that is the bait and hook that Satan has on your life if you flirt with sexual immorality. Um, The other thing that I wanted to talk about was like, holy cow, you're talking about fleeing sexual immorality, you're talking about pornography, how can I win? I'm so glad that you asked. The next verse, winning at purity. How do we win at purity? Well, we realize that it's not through us. And Jude 24, 25, it says, Now to him who is able to protect you from stumbling and to make you stand in the presence of his glory, blameless and with great joy, to the only God and Savior, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now and forever. Amen. Look at 24. Jude 24. Now to him who is able to protect you and me from stumbling and to make you stand in his presence. That is the only reason how is through him. It's through God. It is not on our own merits that we are going to overcome sexual immorality. That is, we cannot do this without the power and the mighty dunamis, authoritative power of the Holy Spirit. That's the only way. The next verse, how do we win at uh, purity is Philippians 4.8. I love this verse. And, and guys, if you ever get a fleeting thought, just put this verse in, verse in your back pocket and bring it to your remembrance. Philippians 4, eight says, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any moral excellence and if there is any praise to dwell or to think on these things. Naomi talked about that yesterday. for for the purposes of marriage, where that she said that it it should be a noble cause, that your single life should should be one of a noble cause in how you represent Jesus Christ. And so Philippians 4 eight, remember I talked about what is the purpose of, of life and that's to give God glory. This is another thing. Whatever whatever thought comes to your mind, does it give does it give God, is it true? Is it honorable? Is it just is it pure? Is it lovely? Whatever you're looking at on your phone, is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it honorable? Is it commendable? Whatever is coming out of your mouth, whatever you're doing alone with your significant other, is this true? Is this honest? Is this commendable? Is this noble? Ask yourself those things. Again, Ephesians 6 uh, 10 through 18. This is the full armor of God. Every morning, When you wake up and you get out the shower, you put your underwear on, you put your clothes on, you head out the door. Every morning, when we wake up, what else should we do? Instead of putting on just our physical clothes, put on your spiritual clothes, put on the helmet of salvation, put on the breastplate of righteousness, your belt of truth, your feet child, with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the sword of the spirit, and the shield of faith to quench the fiery darts of the enemy. Otherwise, the devil is going to throw fiery darts where he knows that you're weak he's going to throw them at you and if we don't suit up every day with the full armor of God then we will fail because it's only by his might and his power and I'm going to leave you with one final verse Psalms 16:11 Psalm 16:11 says that you reveal the path of life to me in your presence is abundant joy in your right hand are our uh, eternal pleasures and in Psalm 16:11 the purpose of this is that it's in the presence of God where we should want to dwell, where we should want to be. It's in like-minded fellowship with other believers where we should want to be, not alone, not trying to, to allow to give time to the devil to put thoughts or, or um, challenges in front of you that you know without accountability that you will fail. So it's in the presence of God that we find abundant joy. Not in 10 minutes alone on a a Friday night with your significant other. But eternal pleasures are found where? In the kingdom of God and in his presence. So a purified Christian, how do we win? A purified Christian, number one, they inherit God's kingdom. And we talked about how God's kingdom and eternity with him will make everything else pale in comparison on earth. Number two, a purified Christian saves sex for marriage. Remember, marriage outside the confines or sex outside the confines of marriage will burn down the house. And then number three, a purified Christian will flee from sexual immorality. They won't try to flirt or won't try to, to see how far they could get in sexual morality. They'll just flee from it. And that is our heart to you this morning, that, that you hearing this message, that you would do these things to live a pure life. So with that, guys, let's go ahead and bow our heads. We're going to pray. And um, after we pray, we're actually going to separate into some groups, but I'll talk about that a little bit later. Let's pray. Mighty God, we thank you so much for who you are. God, we thank you that you've given us a way out. God, we thank you for the gospel that no matter what mistakes we've made in our past, if you're like, God, man, I already blew it. I've already had sex. God, I've already looked at pornography. God, I've already done X, Y, and Z. Whatever it is, the shed blood of Jesus Christ separates sin as far as the east is from the west. And God, we thank you for the cross. We thank you for what you've done, and you've said it's finished. So God, right now, would you minister to everybody hearing this message, God? Would your Holy Spirit begin to open up our minds to see the reality of our singleness and how in our singleness we can give you glory that we can live pure lives, that we don't have to succumb to what the culture says because, God, your Holy Spirit that lives within us can make us conquerors. So, Father God, I just pray right now where there's feelings of guilt that you would wipe those, feel- those feelings clean. God, that you would give us a new slate, Father God, to put our trust in you and our hope in you. May we, may we take this message and really resonate Um, and marinate on it for the rest of the week. Father, we give you glory. And Father God, we just pray that our lives conform to your word. Not anybody's opinion, not life in the Son's opinion, not my opinion, but God, that our lives would conform to the word of God. Father God, would you mold us and break us and shape us, Jesus? We love you. We love you. Thank you, God, for ministering right now. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen.